With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of the 1871 podcast. <laughs> And our very special guest on tonight's episode is Reading goal-scoring legend Trevor Senior. So really looking forward to speaking to Trevor, uh, who was on Series 1. He's back on again tonight. But before we speak to Trevor, of course, there's a very big game for Reading tonight as Huddersfield take on Sheffield United. And a win or a draw for Huddersfield would see Reading relegated to League One. But if Sheffield United win, then it will go to the final game on Monday, Huddersfield against Reading. And if Reading win that game, they will be safe. And that's because Huddersfield are currently three points ahead of Reading and Huddersfield are on minus 18 goal difference and Reading are on minus 20 goal difference. So basically, if Huddersfield lose both of their remaining games, they would, of course, be on a minus 20 goal difference or worse. And Reading, by virtue of beating Huddersfield, would be on minus 19 or better. So in that scenario, Reading would stay up on goal difference and Huddersfield would be relegated. Uh, And we've got Andy Carroll back on Monday. So it'd be nice, wouldn't it, if Sheffield United win tonight and Andy Carroll pops up with a late winner on Monday to keep Reading up and send Huddersfield and Mr Warnock down. So that'd be nice. But we need a win for Sheffield United tonight or Reading will be relegated to League One. Um, so we'll be looking at that game and keeping our fingers crossed. So it's time now for a chat with Royals legend Trevor Senior. Um, Trevor, welcome back to the 1871 podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's great to have you back. Um, uh, an absolute legend as a goal scorer for, for Reading. And before we speak to Trevor, here's a reminder of his goal scoring exploits during his time at Reading. Uh, Trevor made more than 360 appearances for Reading and scored, according to my records, 190 goals. But I was chatting to Trevor before this, and Trevor, you think it's only 184, don't you? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've always thought, but I do agree with what you're saying. They okay. do think, some say 190, 191. I'll take, I'll take that. They've obviously right, included training. Right. We could round it, round it up to 200. How's that? 
Maybe you scored Yeah, maybe you scored six goals with your eyes closed or something. <laughs> scored most of them with my eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so look, just want to continue my introduction to to you, Trevor, uh, just to give people a refresh of you know that magnificent sort of goal score scoring tally that you had um, back in the eighties. And back in 1983, Kerry Dixon left Reading to join Chelsea and he just scored 32 goals for Reading in the 82-83 season. But then Trevor Senior arrived as Kerry Dixon's replacement and he promptly scored 41 goals in his first season as Reading won promotion from Division 4. And then he was top scorer for the next three seasons as well, scoring 27, 31 and 24 goals. And then, Trevor, you joined Watford and then Middlesbrough, but you rejoined Reading in 1988 and you were top scorer for the next three seasons with 24, 22 and 15 goals. And, Trevor, you're still the all-time record goal scorer for Reading in um, in a season with 41 goals, although Jimmy Quinn did get close with 40 in the 93-94 season. And you're the all-time record goal scorer for Reading as well. So... Trevor, I just want to ask you whether it is 184, 190 or whatever it might be. Um, perhaps 190 was including friendly goals or something like that. I don't know. But uh, just regardless of that, whether it's 184 or 190, how proud do you feel, you know, looking back now all those years ago about what you achieved for Reading? Oh, immensely proud, I must have Um It doesn't matter... What what the total was? Um, I'm just I don't I don't brag about it too much, but it's always nice to have in the back of your mind that you're one of 96 people in the in the world, basically, or the country that hold the record for their their club. And um, you know, I'm yeah, I'm immensely proud. Um, and Trevor, before we talk about some of your memories of, of your time at Reading, um, it's obviously a very big game. For Reading tonight, uh, Reading been in the, the the top two divisions for you know just over twenty years now. That famous um, promotion with the Jamie Curiton goal at Brentford, um, and since then it's been Championship and, and three seasons in the Premier League. So a massive game for Reading tonight, um, as Reading will be relegated if if Huddersfield draw or win against Sheffield United. So um, what's your gut feeling, Trevor? Do you think Sheffield United will win and it will go to the final game on Monday or do you think Huddersfield will get the point that they need to send Reading down? I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Sheffield United haven't sort of finished their season and thinking about the beach and their holidays already, you know, because obviously being promoted. Um, but they're professionals, so they'll they want, they want to finish on a high with a home game and um, hopefully they can do Reading a favour so it goes to the last game and all to play for and then it's you know just just on the day then isn't it Yeah and um, I think one factor that might work in Reading's favour is Sheffield United are going for a points record which is Neil Warnock's points record most points for Sheffield United um, I think they can they can still beat that um, with their last I think they've got two games to go um, so uh, let's let's hope let's keep our fingers crossed. But but Trevor, can I just ask you? You know, we'll we'll know tonight whether it's going to go to the last game. But if Reading are relegated into League One, whether it's tonight or whether it's Monday, 
Um, what are the implications of, of relegation for Reading if that does happen? Well, any relegation's not good, is it really? Um, you know, I came close a couple of times, but I was lucky enough not to get relegated. <clears throat> Once with Watford and uh, managed to get sold to Middlesbrough before Watford went down, so I don't count that. And with Reading, I think there was a. Um, it was mentioned a week or so ago. We went to Chesterfield the last game of the season, and um, you know, staring relegation in the, in the face, and we didn't realise how bad it was really, and ended up winning the game four two. And I can remember us celebrating on the coach on the way home. And I think we were celebrating being six from bottom, but that's what Reading would do just to stay up in that league because it's it's a, it's a long season to try and. You know, turn it around and come back up again straight away. I think Martin Hicks touched on that a couple of nights ago. And um, but yeah, they don't they don't want to get relegated. And you know, with the, the setup that they've got there, I'm sure they they want to stay in the championship. And all the Reading fans obviously do as well. Well, let, let's see what happens tonight. But you know, if Reading do go down, uh, I think it's worth mentioning that. The three teams that, that went down last season from the championship, they were all doing well this season. Um, and, and, you know, two of them uh, are going to be in the playoffs. Um, one's just going to miss out, I think. So, you know, let, let's see first. Let's not sort of talk too much about what happens if they if they go down because we, we don't know if it's going to happen yet. Keep our fingers crossed. Um, and, John, I'm going to hand over to you now. What, what do you want to ask, Trevor? Oh, Johnny, are you there? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Just a work thing there going. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, Trevor, I was just going to ask you, I mean, obviously the amount of goals you scored, did you set yourself target at the start of each season or did you just, you know, just see what happened as you went along? Or were you in your head, right, 15 goals, 20 goals? How did you motivate yourself? I don't, all through my career, you know, like even when I was playing non-league at Dorchester, I never set targets you as a centre forward you want you, you know you, you want to score as many as you can um I think it made a big difference my first season at Reading is because as, as Mark said earlier Kerry Dixon had gone to Chelsea and obviously he was a big Reading favourite and he went there and he hit the ground running scoring very regularly so um not that I thought about that but I did keep my keep my eye on what he was doing and um, luckily, I got off to a great start that first season, and then one, once I got that record in the first season, that was that was that was great. And then you just want to keep scoring every season, and uh, yeah, the the longer the time goes on, and you sort of yeah, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't sort of keep an eye on what I was doing and try and yeah to score one in every other game was more than I, I dreamt of really. And did you did you ever have a, a what was kind of the, I remember the longest spell that you went without scoring? Did did, did you? <clears throat> I didn't probably with a goal you scored. It wasn't very yeah. long. But... I had I had a couple of spells where I, I didn't score. Um, talking about Reading now, um, <laughs> when I went when I left Reading, there was <laughs> there was quite a lot a lot of months where I didn't score. But uh, for Reading, I think it was probably about twelve games, something like that. Maybe not quite as many as that, but. Um, I can remember doing an interview prior to the Arsenal game in the FA Cup. And I can remember Ian Bramford saying that um, it worried him, but not too much. 
And that was obviously a few up I needed. And I managed to score against Arsenal, although we lost. So that stopped that one. And then when Mark McGee was manager, um, I was on a bit of a bad run toward, just before I got released, actually. And, um, yeah, I, I think I can't remember when I ended up scoring, but uh, that was a long, long run of not scoring. But uh... do you, when, when you're in that, do you... Do you... Check, try and change anything about your game or do you just keep doing what's worked for you previously? Um, I don't think I was clever enough to change my game. <laughs> I think what, what, what you saw with me was what you got. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm not, I wasn't good enough to change my game. I, <clears throat> I relied on supply, you know, and uh, the way we played our style of football, you know, it wasn't everybody's cup of, cup of tea. But it was exciting in those days, you know. It was uh, I touched on it before when I spoke to you, but the pitches were different, and um, it was a bit more. Um, there was more chances created through mistakes, and I thrived on that. So I just kept trying to get in the right places, and um, you know, just hopefully that the crosses came in or the balls would play through. Mainly crosses coming in. That's what I thrived on and set plays, you know, corners, etc. So, no, I didn't really change my game too much. And, and being at Elm Park, I, you know, we've got a lot of younger folks that listen to us, watchers that have never never been to Elm Park. Can you kind of sum it up what it was like as a player coming out to the onto the pitch, the, the atmosphere, the, the, the games, the, the stadium? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, you look at the um, stadium they play at now, there's quite a walk from the dressing room up the steps, et cetera. At Reading, it was like walking out your back door into your into your garden. You know, it was sort of, you know, twenty steps and you're out from the dressing room onto the pitch, and the other the other door from the dressing room, six or seven steps, and you were out out on the street talking to the public. You know, because they were walking past the dressing room. It was that close, and uh, yeah, the the atmosphere was always great. You know, the South Bank, the Silas End. And the main stand, you know, you'd call it a main stand. It was, it wasn't <laughs> massive, but yeah, it was a great atmosphere. And I, and I love the evening games. I must admit, the Tuesday nights. Um, I think I probably scored quite a lot of goals on the evening games. You know, that was a better atmosphere. You know, when the when it was dark, you know, the the, the crowd behind you, and uh, obviously in the winter on Saturdays as well when it was dark. Um, it was, you can't really explain it. It was just, uh, but the, the, I think the difference probably was then compared to stadiums now. You could hear every comment, well, nearly every comment, especially people slagging you off or, um, you know, or giving you a G up. You know, it's almost like you could touch the fans and uh, it was like a one to one conversation you could have. And uh, it's a bit different now, but uh, yeah, no, great days. And and like you say, the younger element, they they won't, they may not be interested either, but because uh, they've only grown up with the stadiums like they are now. And uh, but if you look at the, uh, a lot of the stadiums now, there seem to be a lot of people standing, even though they've got seats. You know, it was it was uh, it, I don't know where it was the standing that made a difference, but you. They were packed in a bit more, which, you know, obviously I could see why the stadiums have changed. They needed changing for safety reasons. But, uh, no, great atmospheres. The tin roof and everything, wasn't it, though, in the old days? It was, it was a, and the lights and everything. But those evening games, brilliant. Do you have a particular one that 
at Elm Park for you that was probably your favourite game? Um, I enjoyed the Newcastle game in the League Cup where we drew three all. Um, I think my first game at home, it would probably be my first game at home, Colchester in, in the uh, League Cup second leg and I scored a hat-trick. That, that was a great start for me. Um, and I think because I never scored the following Saturday a hat trick as well against South End. Um, no, was it Stockport? Sorry, Stockport. Yeah. Um, so, but no, that that Colchester game I remember scored a couple of volleys as well, and I was pleased with them. But that was a good atmosphere. And what was the what, the, the toughest away ground that you went to in those days? Because like a lot of them were pretty similar to Elm Park. When where was the place you kind of went? Oh God. <laughs> um, I, th- I think the. Not the worst ground, but um, one of the worst times that I remember. We we played Crew Alexandra away, um, and we'd gone up to Blackpool and stayed overnight. That's not sorry, not stayed overnight. We stayed for about a week um, as a mid-season break. I mean, we arrived. It was a Friday night game, and we arrived at Crew, and it was a. We managed to go six days early, but got there late for the game, and uh, it was the coldest night. I think I've ever played in, and uh, Steve Richardson, our fullback, he would he would vouch for that because I can remember this tiny little bath that we had to uh, and a shower that we had to we had to defrost de- him. Really, he was he was absolutely <laughs> frozen. Uh, we drew one each. David Crown scored the the equaliser, and uh, that was probably one of the worst time, worst things I can remember. That was a horrible night. And, and Trevor, just um, just thinking about some of your other. Um, sort of favourite memories during your time at Reading. I'm sure it's got a lot to do with the goals that you scored. But, you know, if you think back to that record-breaking run of 13 games at the start of the season, it was just amazing. It must have been, you know, it's fantastic for the fans, but that must have been something really special for the players to be part of that. Um, Yeah, it was unbelievable. You know, and there's, there's there's quite a few sort of memories in those games. <clears throat> One of them for me is, uh, I think it was um, against Chesterfield at home. Well, I know it was at Chesterfield at home where we were, there was no TV coverage of uh, games. And I remember getting uh, a cut on my head and having six stitches and coming back on and scoring a hat-trick, you know, two headers. And that was in that run. So that was a big memory for me. Uh, Plymouth game at home, that's probably one of the best games, if not the best game I've played in, where we made made the comeback. And Kevin Bremer obviously was a big part of that. Uh, Dean Horrocks and uh, and the lads just turned that game around. Plymouth away, we in that run, uh, we we won the game. And as I said before, uh, Ian Bramford shouted to Gary Westwood about diving one way and he dived the other way and saved the penalty if he'd listened to them or heard the manager the run would have been over. Um, and obviously culminating in the Newport game, you know, that I'll never forget that. You know, we were all on the coach and the amount of fans that travelled down the M4, you know, it's just unbelievable, you know. It's, and uh, although I didn't score in that game, that was uh, Kevin and Stuart Bevan's day that day. They they got the two goals, which was great. And then we had, had uh, two more games, Lincoln away where we won 1-0. The over, only overhead kick I ever scored, I think. And uh, 
then obviously the Wolves game that was a, that was going back to the atmosphere that uh, we were talking about just now. That was a great atmosphere that night. Just a shame we didn't get the win. Yeah, it was a fantastic game. I, I was there, and um, you know that's one of my one of my favourite, most memorable Reading games of all time. That was just, as you say, just a fantastic <coughs> atmosphere. And even though the run came to an end, it was yeah. you know, a, a great. I got, game. I, got, I got a feeling. I think the. Uh, the uh, ticker on the uh, turnstiles didn't add up properly yeah. that night. Yeah, that's, that's the rumor. <laughs> More than a rumor, I think. Well, you could just uh, see it. There were so many people there. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, I just wanted to ask you about something you mentioned earlier. You you know, we talked about Kerry Dixon and what he went on to achieve at, at Chelsea. And you said you sort of kept an eye a little bit on what he was doing. Um, you obviously sort of were at Reading for a long time and then you went away and came back again. Um, but were you, at, at any stage, you know, with Kerry Dixon in mind and what what he went to on to achieve, played for England, all those goals for Chelsea. Did in, in your mind, were you hopeful of, you know, sort of emulating somebody like Kerry Dixon went on to achieve? Yes, obviously. Uh, you know, uh, Kerry came from a similar background to myself. He came from Dunstable when Morris Evans signed him, and uh, I came from Dorchester, non-league. Um, and he went on to, to great things. He did well for Reading, and as you say, he went on to Chelsea, which is the club I've supported anyway. So I've, I've always keep an eye on them. Um, yeah, and, and when I left Reading to join Watford, the style of play with Dave Bassett as manager, you know, because bearing in mind I was, was I 25, 26, um, and I'd been scoring goals, I thought, yeah, it was, it's just going to carry on. Um, <laughs> came down with a big bump. It didn't carry on at all, and uh, it was a lot lot different. And, um, yeah, I'd love to have emulated what Kerry did, but um, I wasn't good enough. That's the bottom line. And, uh Although I went to Middlesbrough and played like the old championship, really, once we got up to the top level, again, I wasn't quite good enough for that. But uh, So it was nice to get a taste of it. And, you know, I admire people that go on to play at that level and be successful as carried in and play for your country. That's, that's great. But uh, no, I, I thought I was going to do it, but I didn't. I'm going to bring Johnny back in now because he's actually on a work break. And I know you've, you've got about five minutes, haven't you, Johnny? So I'll, I'll let you take yeah. up the next five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Trevor, what was your uh, the three favourite players that you played with at Reading and why in the time you were there? Um, obviously, I enjoyed <clears throat> enjoyed playing with with all, all, all the, the lads. So then, I and that's not being corny. There, there was no yeah. one in my career at Reading where I didn't like. You know yeah. that that, that was, was a good players to play with. You know that you. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, we put me on the spot a little bit, but obviously Michael Jokes is right up there. Dean Horrocks was an absolute joy to play with in the early days. My, uh, obviously, Jokesy came a little bit later, and, and Jokesy was just it was just great to play with. Different player than Dean. Um, I've got lots of respect. If I look at forward players, you know, obviously that that's what my main thing is. But you know, the, the likes of Hicksy, you, yeah. you know, I think even in in the day, Hicksy would get a little bit of stick at times. But Hicksy was a good footballer, and he was 
brilliant at what he did. You know, that ball came into the box defensively. He always headed it away. Um, he always got his head on it. Um, so I put in a defender there with the two attacking players. There's lots of other ones, you know, Stuart yeah. Lever and um, David Crane, Jerry Williams, Steve Woods, the goalkeepers. You know, we, we had some, some good players. And I, Kevin Bremer, a different type of player, but, you know, all action. And uh, But if I, yeah, I'll pin those three down. I'll put them on the spot, yeah. And, and, and under the manager's, and um, you played under what? How were their styles in? You know, before a game was was you, you sitting in a cha- you know again for people that you know never played sitting in a change room before a game. What is it? You know, what goes on? Of the stuff that you can say. But, yeah. Know, before... Well, um, to be fair to Morris Evans and Ian Bramford, who were my two managers for quite a bit of the time, yeah. especially Ian. They always did their homework on the other, other teams. <clears throat> so they'd give us a rundown on who we were playing against. And I was one of the jokers of the dressing room, but I was, and I'm not trying to be a big time person, but I would always try and make it a bit lighthearted. I would throw in silly little comments at the right time. Um, so it was, it was serious, but yeah, it got to a stage where, especially Ian Bramford, if he said something, he, he he knew that there was going to be something coming and I used to sit just to the right of him. He would look, have you got anything to say sort of thing. Um, so, but it was, the, 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 the dressing room was so small, you know, it's, you know, it's, we used to do a warm-up in the dressing room. Um, you know, it's like, like doing a warm-up at um, 11 players in your, in your lounge. You know, because you had the the bench in the middle where the, you know the, for treatment, and there was no room. And we used to, always used to do a warm up in the in the dressing room before we went out. You know, like stretches and running on the spot, things like that, which probably you would never see now. And I don't know if it, anybody else did it, but that's that's what we used to do. You know, and um, yeah, it seems strange, really, but um, yeah, just. Very, very tight and compact. But yeah, the managers did the homework. Even the other managers that came in, they always did a rundown on the other team. You know, the uh, Ian Porterfields, um, Mark McGee, and Colin Lee, and all, all those. They, they, they always did, gave us a rundown on the other team, but also how we were going to play and what we needed to do. But we knew how to play because we, yeah. we worked on it in training every day. <laughs> it was just shadow play and get the ball in the channel. For me, or whoever's playing alongside me to run after, play, get it wide, get the ball in the box. It wasn't rocket science. Do you think nowadays football's gone too? I know the way, like you know, football is easy game to play. Or you know, now the way that it's gone, the, the systems and all the zonal marking, all this. Uh-huh. Do you think yeah. it, it's kind of made the game less enjoyable or harder? Or um, I just discussion on Friday actually with uh, a few mates who were just sat having, having a, a pint and two of us sort of said that we think at times football's boring now compared to how it was um, and, then, and then I didn't see the Arsenal Man City game last last week but I was following it on, online and my argument was that they said oh it was a great game to watch and don't get me wrong those players are brilliant the, the, the skill level now and you know the way they play is good, but there was no corners or no shots on target 
in the first 25, 30 minutes. So I said, how, I did not watching the game. I said, how can it be exciting when it has, there's been no shots on target? You know, um, but then you'll get other games which are really exciting. But the, the level of passing on the pitches that they play, and it, you know, they just pass for fun, and it's, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a joy to watch if you like that sort of football. But um, I don't know, I'm a, bit old I'm a bit old-fashioned. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, Trevor. Okay, enjoy your work. All right, I think I think Johnny. Johnny's off now. All right. Thank you, Johnny. So, um, Trevor, just want to ask you, you know, talking about the different styles of play with, with football in general now, um, what do you think the secret was to your success as a goal scorer, particularly at Reading? Um, and how much of that was to do with the, the style of play under Ian Bramford, for example? Yeah, that, <clears throat> without a doubt, and even Morris, with Morris, you know, the style we played, we got crosses in. If you look at the football nowadays, how often do they get to the byline and you think, oh, they're going to cross it? They turn out, play it back to the fullback, build again, go to the other side, you know, get 20, 20 passes in before they get another chance to get a cross in. You know, they'll get in the final third out wide and then they'll turn and then the ball's played back. Before you know it's back in with their own keeper. But I would get frustrated with that because, you know, I think the closest, you know, and he is a class player or class goal scorer, Haaland at Man City, you know, he doesn't get involved too much in the game, but they've got enough quality that... And he's probably one where he thrives on crosses. They do get a few more crosses in from him. And he's not going to score loads with his head, but he just scores with any part of his body, doesn't he? Yeah, he can... It's it, it just... And I'm nowhere near like him, but I do enjoy watching him specifically and watching his runs because I think that's the sort of thing I did. I did. You know, I didn't get involved too much in the build-up play, but I was ready to get, get on the end of a cross and... Uh, He's probably the closest one in the top level that gets on crosses, really. And, and talking of, um, if you like, a generic term for, inverted commas, old-fashioned centre-forwards, um, I think yeah. you'd fall into that category, and, and that's a compliment, <laughs> not, a, not otherwise. Um, all the goals you scored, you were, you were a goal scorer. Um, mm. No two ways about that. But do you think the type of player that you were for Reading... Um, I mean, you mentioned Haaland, but he's got he's got pace, he, you know, strength. Oh, he's got everything, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. In terms of going back to the eighties and and previous to that, you did get quite a few, you know, real number nines, goal scorers, and and that was mm. that was your mm. job, really, wasn't it? You you weren't mm. weren't really involved in the build up play. Yeah. Um, you you were there to score goals. Mm. That's sort of gone missing, hasn't it? Really, I mean, Harlan's scoring plenty of goals, but he's more than mm. a goal scorer. But that kind of old-fashioned sense forward doesn't really exist anymore, does it? No, it doesn't. No, no. You got you got to have more to your game, all right. And like you say, he's got pace. But if you analyse a lot of his goals, the only comparison I can draw to myself is he gets a lot of goals with less than two, oh, one or two touches. He don't, he's, you know, there's other players at the top level that 
you know, have got great ability and they, they can afford to take people on in the box. Most of my goals were scored with one or two touch, you know, getting on the end of things. If I took more than two touches, I usually lost it. You know, I'm not saying Harlan can't do that because he's, he's, he's young. He's, you know, he, he, he's, he's just got more to his game full stop. But, uh, yeah, no, there's, 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 the standard of the forwards now is a different type of forward. You've got to be able to play and pass and interchange with people and play in different roles. You know, Harry Kane, you know, he's, he's more of a midfield player a lot of the time, you know, but he still gets his goals, but he scores different types of goals. He's got a bit more to his game. Um, but no, it's interesting to watch. I still love watching football, but I, you know, the the other night uh, was it Sunday when Liverpool played. That was that was a a good game to watch because it was entertaining. There was lots of chances. You know, three um, 0 down, came back to three all, then they scored the winner. You know that sort of thing. It must have been great to to have been watching that game live. You know, but uh, you don't get quite as many as that now. And and I guess Andy Carroll, I haven't seen a lot of him obviously since he's been at Reading, but. He's a little bit more old-fashioned type centre forward, I would I would imagine as well, you know. And hopefully, um, he'll get get the winning goal. <laughs> like you said, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll have to we'll have to see how it goes tonight first. And um, you know, just talk. Yeah. You mentioned Andy Carroll there. Um, you know, nobody has scored as many goals in a season as you did. Jimmy Quinn got got close within one goal of you. He got um, yeah. got forty goals, but. Uh, you, you got forty-one that season. Um, did first of all that season? Did it go better than than you expected? To you know, were you expecting to get anywhere that, near that number of goals, forty-one goals? No, not at all. Although, no, no, I didn't. Not not at that that level for Dorchester when I was playing there. You know, before Christmas, before I left to go to Portsmouth, I think I'd scored something like. About the same amount, including pre-season games and all that. They were, you know, I was scoring three, fours, and twos, and regularly up until Christmas. So that was the only other time where I scored that many goals. Um, but the Jimmy Quinn time when he he looked to break it, I was actually at that game at Bournemouth, and um, you know he, he got one within one, and I was sat in the stand and he hit one top corner, and it, the keeper made one hell of a save to keep it out. So that could have gone. But I think the difference now, I might have to eat my words one day, but I don't think it should get broken because the players don't play as many games. You know, back in our day, 40-plus games, you know, 46 in a season, the likes of Hicksie and, and a few of us would play that many games in a season because the squads were so small. You know, we probably only had a squad of about 16 senior pros made up of a couple of apprentices and uh, a couple of youth players because you only had one, I think, one or two subs on the bench. You know, no sub-goalkeeper or anything like that. But now they rotate players, you know, they even Harlan, you know, you look at him, going back to him. He doesn't finish many games. <laughs> He'd be on about 125 goals at the moment if he played the whole game, but he scores two or three and then they bring him off. You know, but I don't think the likes of the other teams um, not creating as many chances. You know, I, 
I hope it doesn't get broken anyway. <laughs> and it's, you know, I remember that season, um, you know, when you went up as champions, Canon League Division 3 back then, wasn't it? The record mm. yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, um, you know, it was a particular brand of football, you could say, but it's it very effective, wasn't it? And it, it really suited <laughs> you as a goal scorer. Um mm. And and we mentioned Kerry Dixon, and then obviously you came in, scored all those goals, and and Reading have had some great goal scorers, Jimmy Quinn included, since then. Which which of the sort of Reading goal scorers since your time at Reading have have really stood out for you? Well, since I left, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously Jamie Curtin, you know, he scored lots of goals. Um, no Hunt scored some. Um, Memory, memory loss. Um, Adam Lafondre, obviously. Adam Lafondre and um, Shane Long. You know, yeah, different, different, yeah. That's what I was trying to think of. Sorry, apologies, Shane. Um, but I think all round, I think Jimmy Quinn's got to be the, probably the best, I would say. You know, because he, he he could play football as well. He's a decent footballer and he's a big lad. Scored all sorts of goals. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go for him, really. Yeah, and um, I just want to ask you about after football when you when you stopped playing, you you went you did go into management in, in non league, and um, you were I think you were manager as recently as two thousand and sixteen, and up until a few years ago, you were assistant manager, and you managed I think Weymouth, Bridport, Bashley, and Bridgeport, uh, Bridgewater, and then you went back to to Brid. Bridport as manager between 2009-2016. Obviously, you like teams beginning with B. Yeah. Um, and you, you've been assistant manager at Dorchester Town as well. That's the club you played for before you joined yeah. Reading. Um, I'm guessing, Trevor, your your joy, your real joy in football was scoring goals. So what was it like, you know, compared to playing and scoring goals, um, you know, being a manager? Well, I've got to be honest, management was something I would never even thought about doing. You know, um, I don't class myself as a coach. You know, I used to drive the minibus. That's the closest I got to a coach. But um, it was very West, West, uh, Western League, most of it, with Bridgewater and mainly Bridport. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's completely different. It's, you know, with, with uh, playing, you just turn up for your training and you you don't have to, the worries, but as a manager, it's completely different. You it's twenty four seven, even at the level that level. If you're doing it properly, in which I if I do something, I do it properly. <clears throat> and um, yeah, it was um, yeah, it took up your whole whole week, you know. Because and you thing was you the, those clubs that you're talking about, um, not many of them were on contracts, so if you had to try and keep players happy. Um, otherwise, they would leave seven days. They go to another club, you know. But I go back to my sense of humour and spirit, and that I think I generated a good spirit, especially with Bridport. You know, I quite a few years there with the two spells, and uh, you know, we I really enjoyed that, and we probably underachieved for a couple of seasons. But the players were all there playing because they wanted to play at a reasonable level for their for them. And they weren't after money because we didn't have a big budget or anything like that. Um, so, but yeah, it was interesting. I loved it. Um, and then, as you said, towards the end, I had about three or four seasons with Dorchester, 
as a system manager, which is literally a stone throw from where I live. Um, and then 2019, October time, I, I just sort of, a couple of weeks before I actually called it a day, it just didn't seem the same. <clears throat> you know, I thought maybe I'm you know, getting too old for this. My jokes had fallen on deaf ears <laughs> because half the people that I'm joking about, they hadn't heard of because they're younger. The music in the dressing room was just not my type of music. <laughs> it, it didn't motivate me at all. And uh, yeah, I called it a day, 2019, October. Well, you say that um, about your age, but obviously you look at Roy Hodgson, Sam Allardyce, um, you know, if you wanted to, you you probably got a good good 10, 15 years left at least, haven't you, if you wanted to go back into management? The man the man we've been talking about tonight as well, the big game tonight. Neil yeah. Warner. Yeah, he's yeah. you know, um no. I I'm I've got to be honest with you, I I never thought I'd say it, but I do enjoy my weekends off now. Uh, yeah. so <clears throat> assuming, isn't it? I mean yeah. my, my son my son as a as a manager. My, my son's assistant. My son's an assistant manager at Wimborne, so he was at Hamworthy last year, and they they did really well and um, got to the FA Vars semi final. Unfortunately, they lost, but so I, I tended to sort of watch him, and you know, I don't don't interfere, but uh, so I'd rather he's young enough to hopefully take it a little bit further, and they've got he's gone to Wimborne now, so that that's not that far from me, so. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, and Martin Hicks was telling us about the time that he was manager at Newbury Town and he said that he had a few of the ex-Reading players joined him there. Um, mm. I, I guess the, the Reading players from your time were were probably a bit too old by then, were they? Did you did you have anyone, any of your ex-kind of connections at Reading involved in, in any of the time as a manager? Um, no, no, I didn't. Um but the only thing I did use Reading for, uh, they kindly brought a team down for one of the Bridport players as a testimonial. <coughs> and um, that's going back quite a few years ago now. So um, the chap whose testimony it was was really pleased. And it was mainly a reserve side. And I, again, I can't think... There was one one player in particular who went on to uh, do well. So... Um, you went to Notts Forest in the end, but um, yeah, so that, that's the closest I came to anybody coming from Reading. Um, and Trevor, just want to take it back now to the, the current Reading side. I mean, <coughs> so many changes at Reading and we, we asked Martin about this as well when we spoke to him. Um, but, you know, you had um, at Reading in the, in the early eighties, 40 years ago, um, the club was nearly merged with Oxford United. And then obviously you had that record-breaking Royal season and then on into the 90s with, with Mark McGee and getting close to getting into the, the premiership back then. And then, you know, Sir John Medeski, Steve Koppel, Brian McDermott and all the success with, with the three seasons in the Premier League. And it's mm. just gone on a bit of a downward spiral since then. What What's your overall feeling about the progress that the club made you know over those years and and what's happened in the last few years how do you feel about all of that well it was great really wasn't it you know the, the few years before uh where sir john was um 
yeah, obviously the new stadium, and um, you know they it was it was all new, and they they had some decent players, and they did really well. Um, I can't really comment on the political side of things because I don't know. There's no point in me trying to guess. Um, but the Reading fans seem to stick through it. But this season they seem to start quite well, but then it just sort of fell away a bit. And uh, um, I don't know. There, there must be a reason for that. And obviously, people that watch every week, <laughs> I'm sure they'll, they'll tell, tell us the reasons what they think. And uh, uh, yeah, it's just 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 a shame, I think. And I just hope tonight the result goes well, so that we they've got something to get their teeth into and uh, or if they can guarantee coming straight back up next season if they did go down you know we, we may look look back in a year's time and say that was the best thing that happened they regrouped and the crowds were you know full houses because they're top of the league but we don't want to I don't think they want to gamble like that do they really no, uh, although having said that, the, the three clubs that went down from the championship last year mm. as well this season. So, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see see what happens tonight first. But um, yeah. just want to ask you, Trevor, obviously you, you don't know what's happening at the, the club at the moment, but how, how much of an impact do you think it makes um, if you think back to your time with Roger Smee as the chairman and then Sir John Medeski, coming in uh, and now we've had since the John Medeski we've had a series of you know owners from other countries um, mm. how much of a difference do you think it makes if, if that club's got that kind of sort of local identity if you like that comes from the top from people like Roger Smee who used to play for Reading before he was chairman and and then Ron Medeski comes in and he's he's a Reading man. You know, how how much of a, a difference and an impact does having someone like that at the top really make for the club as a whole, do you think? Well, obviously, you might be able to answer this question more than stuff, but I I think that Roger Smee, Sir John, they were more hands-on. Yeah, they didn't interfere, but and all the directors that were directors at the time were very much part of the of, of the club and you know the all the vice presidents etc it was like a big happy family you know um i don't know whether that's the same and that's probably red and there's no different than a lot of clubs you know but then if they need the investment now from um, foreign investment or whatever i don't and maybe that's a bit that's where it differs i don't i don't know but that's all I can say from when I was there. You know, you, you could approach those those uh, chairmen that I and directors that I've just mentioned there, and you know the Roy Tranters and Jim Brooks in the early days, all those sort of people. They were just they were on. They travelled on the coach, and uh, it, you know you respected them. The, the respect was there. I'm not saying that um, the respect isn't there now, but. Uh, I don't know. I just wonder whether it's all a bit sort of, yeah, you know, a bit distant, maybe. Whether yeah, that's one of the, make a difference. Hands on. Yeah, it's one of the the criticisms from a lot of Reading fans that it does seem to be a bit of a disconnect. There, there do seem to be signs of of improvement with director of football and and 
and all those sorts of things. So it, mm. it does feel like there's been a bit of an improvement, but it might be a bit too too late, um, yeah. you know, for for this current chapter in Reading's history. But we, you know, we we might find out tonight um, if Reading are relegated. If not, it goes to the final game. So let's keep our fingers crossed. But what do you, you know, what do you hope for for the for the sort of coming years for for Reading, Trevor? Given you know what's happened over the last few years, oh, just just to be competitive, really at the uh, at the right end of the table, uh, or you know, everybody likes a good cup run, but you've got to be really lucky to to win a major trophy. Um, obviously, the Simul Cup. No one thought that was a major trophy until uh, Reading won two or three games, and I was unfortunately not to be part of that. But any good cup run is great, and if you can get to a final, that's even better, and that will go down in history, as we know. But um, your league, your bread and butter over the course of a season, uh, is what what they want, and they need something to, to cheer about and get behind. You know they they've suffered a little bit, haven't they? The Reading fans over the last couple of years, um, through whatever reason, and um, that's that's what I would hope for that they can be at the right end of the table, so they're not looking over their shoulder. I know the six point deduction doesn't help, but um, you know you want to be looking up rather than rather than over your shoulder. So and and just try and get those days back. I don't I don't know. How many players they will keep? Who's on contract from the the group there at the moment, or whether they'll recruit uh, over the summer? Um, like you say, tonight's game and the Huddersfield game that probably be um, a decider on that. Yeah. All right. Well, Trevor, thanks ever so much for joining us again. Been been an absolute pleasure to, to speak to you again. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. Um, keep our fingers crossed for, for tonight's game. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.